It's the Code St. Luke podcast, where you'll hear interesting topics and people brought together through the Code St. Luke Public Library. Celebrity science. What does it mean? Well, if you have a problem at home with your electricity, you call an electrician. If you have a problem with your car, you take your car to a mechanic. If you have a problem with plumbing, you call a plumber. Then of course you call your banker to pay for the plumbing. And if you get sick, well, why on earth would you call Dr. Suzanne? Talking about Suzanne Summers, who uh, says that she can knock out your cancer. Now, Suzanne Summers is uh, an actress, and many of you, of course, will remember her from uh, Three's Company. She played a ditzy blonde there, uh, which she sort of is in real life as well. Anyway, Suzanne uh, made a career uh, for herself with the Thigh Master, and there was nothing wrong with that. However, when she writes a book about cancer and talks about her own escapades, her trials and tribulations with, with breast cancer, and talks about how she has defeated this disease with various kinds of natural supplements like mistletoe extract, uh, then you better start raising your eyebrows because actresses are not trained to know about science. And in this particular book, she just fails to mention that she had a lumpectomy and a hysterectomy as, as well. And uh, this is what stopped her cancer in its tracks. It was not the mistletoe uh, extract. Suzanne also goes on to tell us that uh, everyone knows the damaging consequences of chemo. And she did not have any chemo, but she wasn't even recommended to have chemo because she had a negative lymph node biopsy and uh, the lumpectomy took care of the problem. Then she says, what is crazier than pumping a body full of poison? And there's usually six weeks of radiation, but wait, isn't it radiation that gives us cancer? What nonsense this is. Radiation is not good or bad. It all depends on how you use it. In the case of cancer treatment, radiation will destroy cancer cells. Of course, it is also true that, that exposure to certain radiation, ultraviolet light from the sun is a good example. Of course, it can also trigger cancer, but it's a question of how you use a technique under what conditions and of course, in, in, in what dose. Anyway, I start out with this little story because it just implies that, that uh, one should not be going to actresses for scientific advice. <clears throat> I first uh, started noticing the influence of celebrities a long time ago, because for me, Linus Pauling was a celebrity. Linus Pauling arguably was the, the uh, greatest chemist of the uh, 20th century. He wrote a classic textbook on the chemical bond used around the world. He uh, basically uh, found the structure of DNA before Crick and Watson. He didn't get it quite right, but uh, just by himself, he, he found that. Uh, he had a tremendous impact on, on science, publishing hundreds of peer-reviewed publications. <clears throat> And he became famous, of course, not only in the scientific community, but in the world community as well, as you can imagine, with a, a stamp released in the USA about him. I mean, you gotta be someone if you're gonna have a stamp, uh, if you're gonna have your face on the stamp. And notice also on this stamp, the depiction of red blood cells, because he, find, he found the secret uh, to the treatment of sickle cell anemia. So Linus Pauling really was a celebrity. However, where I got a little bit disenchanted uh, was with his push of vitamin C for the treatment of cancer and for other diseases as well, especially the, the common cold. And uh, I was a worshiper of Linus Pauling uh, because, you know, I mean, he was just such a well-known chemist. He was a good speaker. 
So when he came out with his little book, uh, Vitamin C and the Common Cold, of course, I bought it and I read it. And it, it kind of uh, disturbed me a little bit because uh, by this time I knew a little bit about science. I knew how the scientific world worked and uh, you know how we really relied on peer-reviewed literature. And this really focused on his own anecdotal experiences and that of his wife. And uh, I, I didn't think that there was very much to this, uh, no, because there weren't any references, there weren't any studies. This was just his, his feeling. But of course, because of who he was, the scientific community uh, took notice. And a number of studies were mounted about vitamin C and especially about Linus Pauling's claim that vitamin C was an effective treatment for the common cold. <clears throat> so pretty soon, we had some proper scientific publications. And a number of these studies were done on uh, marine recruits. This is uh, traditionally a very, very good group to carry out scientific experiments because they will do exactly what they are told. And it's been said that if a marine recruit is told jump, only question is how high and when. When they were told to take vitamin C, they of course would do it. You didn't have the, the, the problem that you normally have in scientific studies of compliance, that people don't do exactly what they're supposed to do. So there were a number of studies that were carried out on vitamin C and the common cold. And I wish I could tell you that the studies showed that vitamin C prevents the common cold, but that's not what they showed. They showed that even at high doses, uh, there was not a, a prophylactic action uh, of, of vitamin C. Now, it certainly you know, was worth trying, first of all, because Linus Pauling was right about so many other things, and also because it did have some plausibility. Uh, vitamin C does play a role in the functioning of the immune system, so it certainly could have uh, worked against a common cold, but it turns out that it just didn't. Now, some subsequent studies uh, showed that at the onset of a cold, if you take a gram an hour for about three hours of vitamin C, you might reduce the, the severity of the, uh, of the cold. But even that is, is kind of iffy. But the recommendation to, to regularly take vitamin C to prevent the common cold just doesn't hold uh, water. So here was someone, a deserved celebrity, Linus Pauling, a double Nobel Prize winner. The first Nobel Prize was in, in chemistry. The second was in, in peace because he was an anti-nuclear uh, advocate. So here was someone, certainly a celebrity, but in terms of advice when it came to, to health, uh, he just went astray. Hard to, to explain. So I started following this whole business of you know, how celebrities uh, interact with, with the public. And in 1989, there was an episode of 60 Minutes, which is generally a very, very good uh, television uh, program. And one of the segments in, in that uh, particular episode was about a, a pesticide called Alar, which was used on, uh, on apple trees. And... Uh, they made this sound like it was a really an evil uh, substance. They had spokespeople uh, on the show uh, who uh, talked about uh, the toxicity of, of LR and how children are being exposed to, to, to LR. And 60 Minutes has a, a big impact. So <clears throat> because of the 60 Minutes episode, believe it or not, Meryl Streep, who I really <coughs> like as an actress, Certainly, uh, I have no complaints about that. She's a fine actress. But she was called to testify in front of Congress about this whole Alor controversy because she was a spokesperson for an activist group called Mothers and Others for Pesticide Limits. Uh, and uh, this, of course, was when she was still a young, young woman and was concerned about children and exposure to, to pesticides. But why would someone who has forged a career in acting be asked to testify in front of Congress about pesticide science, about which she had absolutely no knowledge? And of course, she was asked because she was well known. 
And somehow, if you're well-known, then your word seems to carry more weight. I mean, imagine if, if uh, the Surgeon General of the U.S. was just spontaneously asked to star in a movie. Everyone would think, you know, what kind of nonsense is this? But turn this the other way around, and you have an actress asked to testify about scientific issues, and somehow everyone seems to think that this is okay. So, you know, I, I started to become attuned to, to this business of, of celebrities pontificating on issues that they really didn't know very much uh, about. And there was a consequence to this because of the 60 Minutes episode and some of this celebrity declarations. Uh, the schools started to ban apples, and there was absolutely no scientific reason for this. This whole Alor episode was way, way uh, overblown. There was never any risk to, to anyone at all. So one question, of course, that we continuously ask in the world of science, to whom do we listen? These days, where we spend so much time perusing stuff that is thrown our way on our computers, on our iPhones, on our on iPads. Many, many documentaries that are slickly produced, bloggers of all kinds, websites, tremendous amount of information. The question is, to whom do we listen? Because some of this information is just so seductive that it's hard to believe that it's unbelievable. But you have to have a very critical mind when you analyze all of this information that is uh, strewn our way. In the world of science, we look to the scientific literature for information. We look to journals. And there are lots of journals in the world, thousands and thousands of scientific journals. And there's just a massive outpouring of information. When a researcher carries out a study, they will write it up. They will send it out to the editor of a journal. Uh, the editor then will send it out to usually two or three referees who are generally academicians in the same or related field who are experts in the area, who then look at the paper and uh, usually ask a lot of questions about it, sometimes ask for part of the work to be redone, some of it to be rewritten. There's a lot of back and forth, and eventually a decision is made on whether or not the, the uh, research is worthy of publication. So once it gets into the paper, into a scientific uh, journal, uh, then at least you know that it has been vetted to a certain extent. Now, truth be told, not all scientific journals, of course, uh, have the same degree of, of merit. Uh, the New England Journal of Medicine, the, the Lancet Journal of the American Medical Association, the um, Canadian Journal of Chemistry, for example, these carry a, a lot of weight uh, and you can basically believe whatever is published. But there are a lot of lesser journals, um, what we call the pay for play journals, where you know if you pay a certain page charge Basically, they will publish absolutely anything. So certainly, peer-reviewed publication is not perfect, but it is the best that we have. So this is where we look when we want solid scientific uh, information. But of course, this is limited to, to, to people who know how to read the scientific literature because you know, this is not written for the layperson. And this is where celebrity, quote, science comes in because these celebrities speak common language. They speak words that people can understand. But it doesn't mean that these words are true. For example, when Cheryl Crow, a good singer, unfortunately diagnosed with a brain tumor, concluded without any evidence, just you know, because there's so much hearsay on the internet, that her brain tumor was caused by cell phone use. And of course, people pay attention because she is backed up by, by her fame, not by any science, but just by her, her fame. Or we have people like Madonna, uh, obviously a very, very popular entertainer. And again, that's merited. She is talented as a singer, as an actress. Then she says, one of the biggest problems that exists in the world is nuclear waste. That's true, it is a problem. That's something that I've been involved with for a while. Well, what does Madonna know about nuclear waste? 
Uh, obviously, not very much when she goes on to say that she is looking for a way to neutralize radiation. Radiation is a form of energy. You cannot neutralize it. You can neutralize an acid with a base and vice versa, but you can't neutralize radiation. Radiation is, is there. Uh, I mean, you may be able to block it in some, some way, but you can't neutralize radiation. This is just uh, nonsense. Even more damaging nonsense is Tom Cruise's uh, opposition to psychiatry. He just thinks that, that psychiatry is a field that should not exist. Uh, he thinks that mental illness is, is not real. He's against any kind of uh, medication, such as you know, uh, antidepressants or anything that is prescribed for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And he, of course, uh, is just parroting the mantra of Scientology, which is a very questionable religion, if you can call it that. I'm not sure what to call Scientology, some, something between a cult and a religion. <clears throat> but anyway, <clears throat> Tom Cruise, once again, a very, very good actor. And uh, anytime that he says something, it gets attention because of who he is. Naomi Campbell, uh, perhaps the most popular model in the world, it's good to clean out your body once in a while. And she talks about her regimen of using maple syrup and, and uh, lemon juice and cayenne pepper and uh, uh, distilled water to flush out her body, to detoxify. Well, this is a silliness that we hear uh, very, very often about detoxing the body as if the body were some sort of network of, of tubes and pipes that has to be flushed out. Of course, whenever you ask these people, what sort of toxins are you removing from your body? They never have an answer to that, that question, just this general nebulous expression of removing uh, uh, toxins. There's no good to be had from trying to flush your body with maple syrup, cayenne pepper, and lemon juice. This is just concocted nonsense, but there are a lot of people who buy into this because it is being promoted by celebrities. Now, some celebrities, of course, are expected to have scientific knowledge. Dr. Oz, here we get into a very interesting discussion because he really is an enigma. He is a properly trained cardiac surgeon and, you know, by all accounts, a, a good surgeon. And uh, he started to be invited on to uh, the Oprah Winfrey show in the early 2000s, sort of as an expert on, on many things, including nutrition. Now, as you, you may know, uh, medical training is very, very specialized. And uh, nutrition is not a very big part of, of medical training. But people think that doctors are experts on, on everything. Anyway, he was on there as, a, as an expert. And uh, admittedly, his segments were, were good. Uh, he did his reading on it. And, you know, he, we would talk about... Uh, promoting certain foods. I remember him talking about broccoli and cauliflower, so-called crucifers vegetables, which you know have uh, anti-cancer effects. <clears throat> and uh, these were sort of short segments on Oprah's show and they, they were good. And then <clears throat> Oprah anointed him God and gave him his own uh, TV show. And <clears throat> that was more than uh, 10 years ago things changed because now he had to fill five hours of network television a week. And when you do that, you have to go beyond telling people to eat broccoli and exercise. And of course, this uh, is a show that is essentially entertainment. And indeed, the producers of the show did admit that. They said, you know, this is not a documentary. Uh, this is, is not really meant to give medical advice. I mean, they say that, but nevertheless, the show comes off as giving uh, medical uh, advice. And they explored numerous issues, much to the consternation of many other physicians, because people would come into their 
for their appointments with reams of paper printed out from Dr. Oz's website or from the show's website about all kinds of, of uh, ailments. And hence this cartoon, thank you for not mentioning Dr. Oz, because all of a sudden physicians had to start dealing with the, the comments that Dr. Oz made on the TV show, uh, many of which were not scientifically backed up. Now, he certainly did some good things. Uh, so I, I don't want to, to you know, just paint him with one brush because when he discussed uh, issues that he really knew something about, uh, such as what happens in your intestines or what happens in your lungs, and they would have these large mock-ups of these organs and he would walk through there and explain it very well. He's, he's good at explaining. And... Um, these were useful because people don't know uh, how these organs uh, function. But then again, when you have uh, so much time to fill, you have to go beyond this as well. And of course, they knew their audience. And the audience of the Dr. Oz show is essentially middle-aged, overweight American women. So they knew that anything that had to do with diet would play well. And every week they would come out with some kind of new miracle. And that time Oz did not hesitate about using the word miracle. Uh, he bandied it about with reckless abandon. And every week there was a new miraculous weight loss product. And you just started to wonder if this is the answer, then how come the week before we had another miracle? And the week before that we had another miracle because none of these really panned out. Raspberry ketones was a very popular one. And it would, was introduced with, you know, some sort of, of smidgen of scientific fact. You throw in some words that are complicated that people may not know. Raspberry ketone causes fat cells to release, uh, you know, pectin tricking the body into thinking it is thin. There was no evidence for that. There was not a single scientific study on humans that showed any weight loss with this raspberry ketone. And yet after this segment aired, uh, stores, health food stores could not keep the stuff on the shelves. Such was the power of, uh, of Dr. Oz. And then after the raspberry ketone story disappeared, uh, which it did quite quickly because since it really didn't work, uh, it didn't have any staying power. So I, they had to come up with something new and the next one was green coffee bean extract, the answer to weight loss. Well, it's a good thing that had a question mark at the end of this, because the answer is no. Uh, there was one very preliminary study using uh, huge amounts of this coffee bean extract that, that uh, seemed to have some effect in a handful of people. The study could never be repeated. Uh, there was nothing ever published on it. And uh, again, it went this, the way of raspberry ketone. It pretty soon disappeared uh, to be replaced by the next uh, miracle. Uh, but, you know, sometimes the government would step in here because uh, when they were making claims that could not be substantiated, uh, that really goes against, uh, uh, against the law. So the Federal Trade Commission, as you can see, stepped in and showed that the green coffee bean extract that was being promoted for weight loss uh, was based on very seriously flawed uh, study. And then eventually this disappeared as well to be replaced by Dr. Oz's homeopathic starter kit. And here is where I really started to uh, become totally disenchanted with uh, Dr. Oz because homeopathy is the most absurd of all of the alternative scientific methods. It is it, based on non-existing molecules having some sort of an effect. The whole idea of homeopathy is that a substance that causes symptoms in a healthy person, when diluted to the extent that there's nothing left in the final dilution, will cure those symptoms in a sick person. Well, of course, one could go on and on and talk about this, and I've done that on many uh, occasions. Some of you may remember my old, more elaborate discussions of homeopathy. Uh, it is uh, just scientifically uh, invalid. Non-existent molecules do not 
treat any kind of disease. When you're buying a homeopathic uh, solution, you are just buying water. And this water does not have any kind of memory, no matter what homeopaths claim. That is their claim that, that when the original substance is diluted sequentially many, many times, taking a drop, adding 99 drops of water, then taking a drop of that, adding 99 drops of water, they admit that after so many dilutions, there's nothing left. But what they claim is that the shaking of the solution between each dilution uh, leaves an imprint on the water, and that imprint is curative. Of course, this is absurd, and they never go on to explain how the imprint of a molecule might have a therapeutic uh, effect. So uh, for me, Dr. Oz, the celebrity doctor, destroyed uh, any credibility he might have by promoting uh, a homeopathic starter kit. Then the guests that he has had on the show, Joe Mercola, who's an osteopath, although he hasn't practiced for decades, but in the US, osteopathy is a legitimate form of medicine. In Canada, it's not. In Canada, you can get a, a night degree in osteopathy, and basically it's just sort of a, a, a celebrated masseuse. But in the US, uh, osteopaths are regular uh, physicians who specialize in manipulation. Well, he hasn't practiced any kind of medicine anyway for decades, but Joe Mercola runs the most popular health website uh, in the US. And he is totally disreputable. Uh, he claims that modern medicine is killing people uh, and that uh, uh, the fact is that his website is growing and growing. And the reason that uh, it is growing is because he is providing proper information to, to, uh, to everybody. He is not providing proper information. He opposes vaccination. He opposes fluoridation. He thinks that mercury in dental amalgams is toxic. He opposes genetically modified foods. He opposes mammography. He doesn't think we should use Teflon cookware. And he is against the COVID public health advice. He thinks that lockdowns don't do anything. He thinks that masking doesn't do anything. And he calls into question the efficacy of, of, of the vaccines. None of this is uh, proper scientific thinking. But of course, it gets a lot of uh, attention. Uh, anytime that you start criticizing mainstream ideas, uh, you get a lot of attention, especially in the US, where the, there's this widespread belief that, that regulators and governments cannot be trusted, that somehow they're trying to cheat you, and that um, there's collusion between government and big pharma and big food uh, and big agro, agro to, to line their pockets and to undermine the health of, uh, of the public. He sells a large variety of supplements. Uh, some of these are out and out dangerous. Colloidal silver, for example, which he has even promoted um, against COVID. Well, if you start taking colloidal silver, uh, it will color you gray, and that is totally irreversible. Uh, there, there are people, of course, who have followed this uh, advice, and I've developed a condition we call Argyria, where the skin becomes a silvery color and there's nothing you can do, uh, do about this. So he sells a huge number of supplements. Uh, my view is that anytime that you're listening to someone who ends up trying to sell you something, you better look at all of this with extreme scrutiny. Uh, because real scientists don't do that. They don't try to sell you uh, products. But Mercola does. Sometimes, you know, as you can see under his own brand name, uh, this particular case, organic deodorant. And of course, uh, anytime you put the word organic, uh, it sells. But in the, in the uh, case of a deodorant, the term organic has absolutely uh, no meaning. 
I mean, the, the real meaning of organic, as many of you know, in, in chemistry is an organic compound is one that is based on atoms of, of carbon joined together. Uh, in the more uh, uh, conventional sense, the term organic means uh, that you're looking at some sort of uh, plant product that has been raised without pesticides and without fertilizers. But in the uh, area of deodorant, the term organic just uh, doesn't make any sense, except if you're going to interpret it in terms of proper chemistry, because yes, these preparations will have organic compounds in them. That is, they, they will have compounds that are based on, on, on carbon. But this is not the message that Mercola is trying to send here. They, here he is using the word organic as, as if it were a synonym for, for healthy. So he uh, sells these toxic free deodorants. And of course he attacks ordinary commercial deodorants as being unsafe, mostly because they contain uh, aluminum. And uh, he talks here about how aluminum is, is a problem, how it's a toxin, etc. And his deodorants don't contain any of these nasty substances. In fact, you can eat his deodorants, he says. Well, yeah, you probably can because the main ingredient in there is baking soda. Well, baking soda has a number of functions, but it is not going to, to serve very effectively as a, as a deodorant. Now, I would not say that it has zero efficacy because some of the compounds that are produced in underarm secretions, things like propionic acid and butyric acid are highly scented, and they are acids that can be neutralized with baking soda, so there can be some sort of efficacy here. But certainly not as effective as the commercial products that scientists in laboratories has, have spent years, or years uh, developing. Uh, Mercola, when he is interviewed, uh, is very slithery. He tells you it, that you know all of the advice that he's giving and the product that he's selling is not to get a bigger house or a car, to run for Senate. Uh, he would have us believe that all of this is because he has a good heart and he's just trying to save the, uh, the public. Well, he says it's not a tool to get even bigger house. Uh, this is his house, an aerial view of the Mercola estate. Uh, he has done very well uh, because the truth is he has millions of followers on, on his website who will buy his ideas and more importantly, who will buy the supplements that he promotes. Now, of course, in this era of COVID, he has had to come out with his views. Anytime that you see the title of an article or a book, which says the truth about the red flag should go up. Because in science, it is very rarely the case that we know the complete truth. It is always a question of evaluating the evidence, of looking at the pros and cons, the risks and, and benefits. It's very rare that we can have a categorical answer to a scientific question, especially in the area of, of health. The human body is such a complex organism. What we put into the body, such complex mixtures, it's hard to come up with any simple uh, solution. Uh, you should, of course, be further alerted when you see that the foreword to this book is by Robert Kennedy Jr., uh, who certainly cannot be trusted as a scientific uh, authority. He's an anti-vaccine uh, advocate, and if you've ever listened to him speak, uh, he has no idea what he's talking about. Uh, but of course, he's got the Kennedy name, and uh, that confers celebrity uh, status. Well, in this book, uh, Mercola uh, argues that the SARS virus was lab engineered. We have no evidence for that. We have no evidence that it was a bioweapon that was uh, developed. Uh, he uh, argues that PCR testing is not reliable. It is extremely reliable. And uh, the arguments that, that he makes about the uh, effectiveness of the vaccine uh, not being what, what is suggested, this is just not true. The uh, uh, 
amount of research that has gone into these vaccines is just astounding. One of the great uh, scientific uh, discoveries of, of all time, at least in terms of the time frame that has been devoted uh, to this. And uh, hundreds of thousands of scientists around the world have worked on this problem. So here is somebody who is really scientifically nobody uh, questioning the work of, the, of these uh, experts. Anyway, uh, he, he is sometimes taken to task. The Center for Science and the Public Interest, which is a, a pro-science advocate uh, organization, uh, has pointed out uh, what Mercola does, uh, the things that he sells online, which he claims are treatments for, uh, for COVID. These, these include vitamins and, and zinc and selenium, melatonin, licorice, molecular hydrogen, astaxanthin, and acetylcysteine, various prebiotics and probiotics, and everything but the kitchen sink. Anything that has ever been in any way related to, to therapy for anything, he throws in here without any evidence uh, whatsoever. Uh, the FDA, of course, continues to send them warning letters, sometimes even pays fines. It is still worthwhile because he's got a captive audience of millions uh, who believe uh, everything that comes out of his mouth and will spend the money to buy these uh, supplements. Another winner that Dr. Oz often has on his show is uh, Dr. Neil Barnard, who uh, was trained as a psychiatrist, uh, but now has become a media uh, personality. And um, he's a vegan, not that there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with vegetarianism. There's nothing wrong with veganism. Uh, in fact, you can have a, a perfectly healthy uh, vegan diet. However, uh, when you become sort of a zealot on behalf of an issue, then you start stretching the science beyond what it actually shows. Yes, there are studies that show the benefits of a vegan diet. But that doesn't mean that this is the only diet that one should be uh, eating. But he's gotten a lot of publicity. He's, you know, appeared on all of the, the talk shows from, from Dr. Ross to, 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 to Ellen with quotes like this. The beef industry has contributed to more American deaths than all the wars of this century, all natural disasters and all automobile accidents combined. Now, this is kind of statistics that is just pulled out of the air. There's no documentation to show this. Uh, of course, what he's after here is, is uh, an attempt to, to, to demonstrate that eating meat is unhealthy. But it's just a random statement. So is this one. The typical slice of cheese is 70% fat. That's one step away from Vaseline. Well, this immediately uh, shows that uh, while he may know something about medicine and psychiatry, he doesn't know anything about chemistry because Vaseline is not a fatty substance. Petroleum, uh, Vaseline is, is composed of uh, petroleum-based hydrocarbons, and those are not triglycerides, they're not fat. Anyway, he says it's one of the unhealthiest foods you can eat, but marketers learned a long time ago that people gravitate toward cheese, so they add it to everything. Well, yes, they add it to things because people like cheese. Okay. It does have some fat content, but we eat lots of foods that have fat content. There's lots of vegetarian foods that are high in fat. Avocado is extremely high in fat. Of course, it always depends on what kind of fat and how much of it do you, do you eat. So to suggest that when you're eating cheese, uh, you are basically somehow getting addicted to, to, uh, to it. He makes the same argument for chocolate and meat and sugar that these are physically addictive. No, they're not physically addictive because if you give them up, you don't have any withdrawal symptoms and there's no tolerance to these. So no, these are not physically addictive. And when he starts telling us that this is what you look like if you eat cheese, uh, I mean, this is, is just disingenuous. Uh, there's no evidence that, that that belly or those thighs are the result of, of, of eating cheese. Cheese can be certainly part of a, of a healthy diet. True, vegans don't eat cheese, and you can have a vegan diet that's perfectly healthy without eat, eating cheese. But it isn't justified to bash cheese just because it's not part of a vegan diet. 
when he goes into other areas, though, uh, there, uh, I think we can be more ferocious in our attacks because there is no way to prevent Alzheimer's disease. Uh, he contends that uh, there are metals, and most of these are metals that are found in animal foods, uh, according to him. And if you eliminate these from the diet, then you will prevent Alzheimer's disease. There's no evidence for this. And if you look at his books, they are all very seductive. Uh, they all suggest that if you just eat the right way, which according to him is pure veganism, then you can not only prevent all diseases, but cure diseases. Now, I will agree that uh, a mostly plant-based diet is the uh, most advantageous diet. There's enough information that, that uh, we have accumulated. It doesn't mean that it is the only diet uh, that uh, can work in terms of health, uh, but I think he overstates his case. And uh, you know he makes the claim that you can cure virtually anything by by a vegan diet or prevent all diseases. No, it just doesn't work like that. I also should point out that Barnard and his flock are uh, very big supporters of PETA, the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, which to me is one of the most unethical organizations that is out there because they are against scientific research. They are against the use of animals in any way. Now, I think, you know, when, when they make the argument that it isn't right to raise animals in order for us to kill them and eat them, yes, I, I think that, you know, one can make that argument, uh, you know, in terms of, of ethics. But uh, when it comes to scientific research, especially medical research, you cannot do that without the judicious use of animals. So you, uh, there's no way that you can support the notion of using no animals at all in, in medical research. So the, the extreme vegan views that he has are interlaced with his support of, of, of PETA. Other guests that Dr. Oz often has on are also highly questionable. Mike Dow, who really doesn't have a good scientific background, except that he's written a book called The Brain Fog Fix. And he's talks how so many of us are afflicted by brain fog. Uh, this is this feeling of being tired and moody and confused, which is sort of the natural state for many people. Uh, but he says he's got a treatment for this, that uh, all of this happens because the levels of serotonin, dopamine, and cortisol uh, have uh, gone askew in our nervous system, and we need rebalancing. And he's got the answer to rebalance these uh, important chemicals in our nervous system uh, by boosting certain fats, avoiding sweeteners, turning off your phone, switching off the TV, drinking a glass of champagne, eating lots of spices, going to bed by 11 and enjoying coffee. Now, this is not super bad. Uh, it's just nonsense to suggest that, that this is the kind of thing uh, that can solve your mental uh, problems. Uh, the evidence folder is just empty uh, with these claims. So that's what we always ask, show us the evidence. It's not that we're unwilling to believe these arguments, but we would like to see the evidence. Even more outrageous of Dr. Oz's guests are the psychics the Long Island uh, uh, psychic, Teresa Caputo, uh, who claims to be able to talk to the dead. She comes on the show, they have people, guests from the audience uh, who have lost a loved one, and she attempts to make contact uh, with them. This is just outrageous. She's not the only one that he's had on the show. He's had John Edward. Another one of these uh, fake psychics, although I, I guess the word fake is redundant in that context. All psychics are fake. Uh, look what he, John Edward does on the show, on John, uh, on Dr. Osho. I'm being pulled over here to this section. Does anybody over here have a dead relative, friend, acquaintance, or pet with a name beginning with the letter of the alphabet who died suddenly when their heart stopped? I mean, this, this kind of uh, mumbo jumbo, you know. Uh, Houdini, of course, is famous for having said, look, anyone can talk to the dead. Problem is, they don't talk back. 
except the Dr. Oz show. They make contact with the dead. And uh, of course, they come out with these vague statements, you know, about how the, the loved one who has passed over is very happy there. Uh, and there's, you know, lots of music and angels and, and, but why do they never ask them any direct question? If they have really made contact with the dead, why not ask a question that only that dead relative would know to see whether or not they can get the answer? And of course, that that never happens because all of this is a scam. But for someone who has the status of Dr. Oz to be supportive of this kind of nonsense and to basically uh, uh, try to, to get publicity off of these recently bereaved people is really uh, criminal. And then of course, Gwyneth Paltrow, Gwyneth has been on several times with Dr. Oz. Now, once again, we have a situation here where Gwyneth is a very, very good actress. Uh, and uh, she has made a fortune from her company, Goop, selling all kinds of ridiculous things from green beverages to jade eggs that are supposed to be placed in that magical part of the female anatomy. And uh, people look to her for scientific advice. And she comes up with things like this. Uh, she's challenging so the evil genes, you know, that 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 can uh, unfortunately result in diseases like cancer. She's challenging these by eating biological foods, whatever that means, and that's how she's going to uh, avoid uh, illness. And of course, on her websites, again, she sells a whole host of of, of supplements, and uh, she has become a health guru with no scientific knowledge whatsoever. Every single nutritionist, doctor, and health conscious person I've ever come across seems to concur that gluten is tough on the system. No, gluten is tough on the system if you have celiac disease, which is less than 1% less than 1 of the population. There's no reason for others to avoid gluten. But if you listen to someone like Gwyneth Paltrow, to whom one should not be going for scientific advice, you would think that gluten is a great evil and we have to go to great extent to, to avoid it. Of course, you can also regain your health with oregano oil uh, because it wards off colds, magnesium pills that, that ensure sleep, colloidal silver she's into uh, as well, just like, like Mercola, and all of these supplements that have no scientific basis whatsoever. Uh, she's also into cupping. She uh, appeared at a, an awards banquet uh, with these strange markings on her back. And it turned out that it was due to, to cupping, which is an age old scientifically discredited practice where you take these cups, you heat up the air inside, then you quickly clamp them onto the skin. Uh, the vacuum that is created because the hot air has pushed uh, cold air out of the cup. And when the hot air condenses, a vacuum is, is created. It sucks the skin into the cup. And this also is supposed to remove toxins from the body. Uh, once again, uh, a total nonsense. But uh, she uh, proposes that this is the way to uh, good health. And because she has fame, she's a celebrity, people will buy into this argument. And they, they come away pockmarked uh, in, in this fashion. And if it isn't properly done, you can even tear the skin, you can have some very serious uh, consequences. And of course, there is no evidence at all that cupping like this has any benefit. Sports personalities also get into the game. And in Montreal, of course, there's no more famous sports personality than Carey Price. And um, a while ago, he was going to get into bed with a homeopathic company. He was asked to promote a homeopathic product, but because uh, this came out in the press that he was going to do this, the scientific community ganged up on him. And uh, because we were at that time able to, to get the information out there about the, the scientific uh, questionability of any kind of homeopathic product, uh, he stopped uh, the plan to promote oscillococinum, which is one of the main homeopathic products. It is 
claim to be an anti-flu, anti-influenza product, obviously no evidence. How could you possibly have an evidence for a product that contains nothing? Uh, it is the diluted um, solution that starts out by taking the liver and the heart of a duck and then making an extract and dilute it to the extent that there's not a single remnant of the original, not that duck heart or duck liver would have any claim to curing uh, uh, influenza. Tom Brady arguably is the uh, greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. And he also believes that he has some claim to scientific knowledge, especially in the area of nutrition. In fact, he has even written a book about this, uh, the uh, Tom Brady method, and uh, I've read it and um, I have some questions about it because some of it sounds like absolute uh, uh, quackery. Uh, Tom tells us that 80% um, of what he eats is vegetarian, which is fine. Only organic, whole grains, brown rice, quinoa, millet, beans. The other 20% is lean meats, grass-fed organic steak, duck every now and then, chicken. Okay, there's nothing wrong with this. And he scrupulously stays away from white sugar, white flour, MSG, no olive oil for some reason, uh, only coconut oil, not very smart. Coconut oil is high in saturated fats. Uh, canola oil turns into trans fats that is not true. Himalayan pink salt he prefers. There's nothing, no benefit over ordinary salt. There's absolutely no reason to avoid, uh, avoid nightshades. Uh, there's no reason to avoid tomatoes or peppers or, or, or mushrooms. Uh, he never touches coffee. Uh, he doesn't eat any mushrooms and he totally stays away from dairy. This is not what I would call a healthy uh, regimen, although there are some elements uh, to it. And of course, because of his success, I mean, let's face it, he's won 10 Super Bowls. That's twice as many as the uh, next person. Uh, so who are we to criticize what he does? He is successful. Uh, he is in good shape. Uh, maybe there is something to, to the diet. I, I think uh, it is essentially that it is mostly a plant-based diet. Uh, it is a low-fat diet. He probably doesn't eat very, very much uh, salt. He doesn't eat processed foods. So I think he probably has a pretty good diet, but to, to claim that, uh, you know, this is what everyone else should be eating and, you know, the inference that they would have success like him, uh, that just has no scientific validity. He drops the ball on that one. He also drops the ball when he starts promoting uh, underwear, in this case, sleepwear. Why? Because of the far infrared radiation that is produced. Well, no matter what you wear, any underwear or any kind of clothing will produce far infrared radiation. Why? Because far infrared radiation is just heat. Radiation is just a form of energy. And infrared radiation just refers to a specific band of wavelengths of, of, of radiation, which we perceive as heat. So suggesting that this particular underwear has some special property because it somehow is infused with infrared radiation. This is just nonsense. This is just heat. There's nothing special about it. Maybe fine underwear, I don't know, but, but there's nothing special health-wise about it. Uh, more problematic is, um, Tom's uh, previous promotion, I haven't seen this recently, so he may have stopped, of a supplement called NeuroSafe, which supposedly is uh, protective against traumatic brain injuries. Well, obviously, football players are, are at risk for brain injuries, and you would think that, therefore, you know, football players trustworthy when, when uh, he, there's no evidence that he's ever suffered a brain injury, even though, of course, he's been sacked numerous times. Uh, and he parlays this into selling this supplement. There's zero evidence that this supplement in any way can prevent uh, traumatic uh, a brain injury. 
But here he is, Tom Brady, he's been placed on a pedestal. Why? Because he's very adept at playing football. And therefore, people believe that, that he must know what he's talking about. And it's a mixed bag. I think some aspects of the diet that he, he promotes, the lifestyle he promotes are good. But to, to stay, say that we should stay away from tomatoes and eggplant uh, because they are pro-inflammatory, there's no scientific uh, evidence. Alex Reed is a, a, a British uh, fighter, very popular in, in Britain. He's got this rather strange view. It's actually very good for a man to have unprotected sex as long as he doesn't ejaculate because I believe that all of that semen has a lot of nutrition. Tablespoon of semen as your equivalent of steak, eggs, lemons, and oranges. I'm reabsorbing it into my body and it makes me go raw. Uh, I wonder what his partner says about this. Anyway, this is just absolute nonsense. It's not worth spending even a minute more uh, on this. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal, of course, who is now retired. Now he's a basketball commentator, but he was a great basketball player. And he attributed some of that uh, exquisite play to the power balance bracelet that he wore. And this, he says, gives him more energy, more flexibility. He's not the only one who promoted this uh, idea of these specialized plastic bracelets with some, some pseudo uh, insert scientific benefits, supposedly. Uh, they don't really explain what it's supposed to do, except that it's some scientific magic. David Beckham uh, bought into this, and even the Duchess of Cambridge was seen wearing this. There's, needless to say, no evidence that wearing any kind of a, a bracelet, whether it's made of plastic, whether it's made of, of silver, or whether it's made of copper, is going to have any kind of benefit, except, of course, if you think that it does, because the placebo effect uh, will kick in. And if you believe that this bracelet can increase your strength, uh, that can actually do it. <laughs> uh, but it all comes from the power of, of the mind. Then, of course, there are celebrities who should not be celebrities at all. Uh, a lady who calls herself the food babe uh, has no scientific background. Uh, she says, if you can't spell it or pronounce it, you probably shouldn't eat it. Uh, ridiculous. Uh, we don't judge the value of anything but the number of syllables in, in its name. And just because something sounds sciencey and the food babe can't pronounce it doesn't mean we should avoid it. Uh, she gives out this image that chemists are evil people locked up in a laboratory, just thinking about what new devilish compound to release to the public. Uh, one of these compounds that she attacks is one that you would find in a yoga mat. But why is she against yoga mats? Well, she's not really against yoga mats. She's against the chemical that you find in yoga mat because it's also found in other things. And she says you wouldn't want to eat a yoga mat, but you would be eating submarine sandwiches. And the... Uh, a company that makes the buns for Subway uses a chemical called azodicarbonamide to fluff off the, the dough, which is true. Uh, this releases nitrogen. It causes the dough to rise just like yeast, yeast would do. But she claims that this is a devilish substance and that you might as well be eating a yoga mat. Well, it is used to make yoga mats. They're to fluff up the, the plastic, to make holes in the plastic. But so what? Uh, she infers that uh, the industry is using huge amounts of this and that it is going to end up killing off uh, customers. The fact is that just because something is used in food <laughs> doesn't, or is used in something that's non-food doesn't mean that it cannot be used in food. This is just a silly argument. But the food babe has become a huge celebrity, has hundreds of thousands of followers, without having any kind of scientific background. She tells us that you should not be using any deodorants that contain aluminum. You should only use natural crystals. Well, the natural crystal that she promotes is alum, which contains aluminum. 
So of course, she doesn't know what she's talking about. I thought she should learn something. So I did send her a book on chemistry, uh, hoping to clear up some of the silly ideas that she has, but I never got a thank you uh, for that. And uh, finally, of course, there are politicians with their crazy ideas. You may remember uh, good old Sarah. Uh, sometimes research dollars uh, go to fruit fly research. She was against this. The fact is that fruit fly research is very important. Fruit flies have given us tremendous knowledge about genes and, and genetics, uh, as of course can be shown in all kinds of scientific publications. Uh, Bill Clinton uh, doesn't eat meat because he read the book, The China Study, which is against meat. Well, one can make all kinds of arguments against meat, but, but uh, just because Bill Clinton doesn't eat meat doesn't mean that we should all follow. Then of course, uh, there was George, uh, who was sort of confused about everything. So he didn't tell us very much about nutrition. And finally, Donald Trump, uh, remember his telling us that one could use disinfectants inside of the body, and then he was pushing hydroxychloroquine. Uh, then uh, he had Mike Lindell, the my pillow guy, uh, who was uh, pushing a substance uh, that uh, would cure COVID. He had previously been busted for making claims about his pillows having all kinds of health benefits that was nonsense. But here he was with Trump and with Ben Carson telling us that uh, an extract of, of, a, of a certain plant uh, would be beneficial for, for COVID. Now, even before this, Trump, of course, was anti-vax. He was making all kinds of ridiculous claims. And so was Ben Carson. So these people have a, a, a history. Ben Carson was telling us that there were questions about vaccination, totally unrealistically. But because they had a pedestal, uh, they were believed. And of course, we had our own in Canada as well. You remember Jean Chrétien and his classic statement, the proof is a proof. What kind of proof? It's a proof. A proof is proof. And when you have good proof, it's because it is proven. Well, in science, we look for proof from a scientific community. We look for peer-reviewed research that has been vetted by other scientists. And that's how we make decisions, not based upon what celebrities will say. So I, I hope this has given you a bit of insight into the celebrity culture in terms of science. And uh, if you're interested in more, of course, you can always check out our website. We have lots of interesting information there. And you can also go there and sign up for a weekly uh, newsletter, which of course is, is free. So thanks a lot for your uh, attention. I hope uh, you're trying to keep safe. We're doing pretty well with the vaccines. And uh, I, I think that uh, within, uh, you know, within a couple of months, uh, most people in Canada should be vaccinated. So, so we're, we're catching up. Uh, I don't know if we have a few minutes to answer any questions, but uh, if we do, certainly we can do that. Yes, Dr. Doe-Schwartz, um, there is, uh, two questions. It, it's the first one is uh, they're both from Mark, and he asks. It seems that wishful thinking is at the root of belief in unproven therapies and overvaluing of celebrity endorsements. Was this a problem in caveman times too, or is there something unique about our modern brains that make us more successful? susceptible to being taken in by false claims? Oh, I, I, I think this kind of charlatanism has always been with us. However, the, the thing is that now there's so much information that is available. So that's much more on which to construct these false beliefs because you can throw in a lot of you know, scientific sounding terms and uh, the, the charlatans have become much more adept at making a case for themselves. So I, I think the wishful thinking of course has always been there. And if you look back throughout history, there have been always purveyors of unfounded uh, you know, uh, scientific information. Uh, it's just that it's more prevalent today and a lot of that because of, of the fact that information is so easily passed around. Okay, and the second question, well, I guess you partly answered. 
do the uh, do other social animals such as chimps, dolphins get fooled by charlatans the way humans do? If not, is it the existence of the human language the cause? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if anyone has any studies on, on whether chimpanzees get fooled by charlatans. Uh, sometimes I would think that some chimpanzees are smarter than some humans. So, no, I don't know if animals are fooled by uh, charlatans. I, I think uh, we have to concentrate on preventing humans from being fooled. I don't see any more questions. So do you have any wise words or comments? Well, obviously, get, get the vaccine as uh, soon as you can. And uh, now it's available for uh, in Montreal area for everyone over 70. And uh, the website is, is very effective where you can go and make an appointment. It's very well done, uh, surprisingly, for, for Quebec. This time they've really gotten it right. And uh, you can make an appointment. Uh, so things are, are uh, moving along. But uh, I, I think also uh, we have to be careful not to be seduced by the idea of, of the vaccine. People thinking that just because they got vaccinated, they can you know, carry on the way that they did before we heard of COVID. Uh, you still have to be careful. You still have to mask when you're in public, uh, in indoor facilities. Uh, so the COVID problem is going to be with us for a while. And we will, it will also take a while until we know just how effective the vaccines are. Because uh, the studies, of course, while they were very impressive, are done on a relatively small number of people. And uh, as a general rule, uh, we've seen over and over that when studies are done in trials and then uh, they expand into the population at large, the effect is uh, quite different. But anyway, it looks like we're going in the right direction with the availability of the vaccines. Thank you for listening to the Code St. Luke podcast today. We launched the podcast and telephone broadcasting service in March 2020. The idea was to get content from Parks and Recreation and the library into your homes using Zoom, telephone, and podcasts. If you enjoyed the podcast, please give it a rating and review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. For more information about programs at the library, visit csllibrary.org. For information about the city of Cote St. Luke, visit cotesaintluke.org. Have a great day.